you have your Bible, go with me to John chapter 19. As you're turning there, I would ask you to be in prayer uh, for Wayne and Sandra Harris. Uh, Christy uh, passed away yesterday, um, so I know that Wayne and Sandra and the Harris family would appreciate your prayers. And so I'd ask you to to add them to your prayer list uh, this week as they um, enter into this week. It's Easter season, and uh, it's a privilege to gather this morning. It's a privilege to have each and every one of you here. And as I um, think about this weekend, I, uh, we had a good Friday service, and um, that was a blessing to us as a church family. And, and so I'm, gonna, I'm really going to talk about Christ's resurrection but uh, this morning. But if Christ wasn't willing to die on the cross for our sins, we couldn't have this conversation this morning about him being alive. And so as we enter into this morning, I don't want us to forget what he did for us on Friday. I don't want us to forget that he was the lamb that was slain for us. I don't want you to forget his willingness to stand there and be mocked and ridiculed for you. I don't take that lightly. Knowing that he had the power at any moment to change the circumstances in a heartbeat. But he chose not to. And so this morning as we think about that, I want to take you through uh, some of the verses that uh, Pastor Andy read this morning. If you're at sunrise service, um, these are some of the same verses. But I want to read them with you this morning and and just share with you from what God has laid on my heart. Uh, John chapter 19, pick it up in verse um, 38. Later, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now, Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jews. With Pilate's permission, he came and took the body away. He was accompanied by Nicodemus, the man who early had visited Jesus that night. Nicodemus brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 75 pounds. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with spices and strips of linen. This was in accordance with the Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid before. Because it was the Jewish day of preparation, and since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. As you gather this morning, you get a chance to see that there's two men that are going to make a choice. Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. I think it's really amazing to me as I think about these two men. These two men were believers secretively they were afraid and most of us when we read John 3:16 we never think about Nicodemus but Nicodemus was the guy in the beginning of John chapter 3 that came to Jesus at night and said hey I've got some questions for you this doesn't all make sense and so they had a conversation knowing that John chapter 19 was coming 
Jesus took the time and spent some time with Nicodemus. Knowing that there was going to come a time in Nicodemus' life that he didn't care that the Jews would know that Jesus was his Messiah. He was going to make a choice in a culture and a society where the majority of people at that present time were the ones saying, you know what, crucify him. Go ahead and kill him. We don't need this guy. So Jesus died on the cross. But there was something going on inside Nicodemus' life that he wanted the whole world to know that he was different. See, there's going to be no way that Nicodemus was going to arrive at the burial site and hide 75 pounds of spices. It wasn't going to happen. There's going to be no doubt in the Jewish culture that Joseph of Arimathea was going to walk up to Pilate and say, can we have his body? Even though he was afraid of the Jews, he still made the choice. So we gather at a scene in time and history as you look back at two men that made a choice, knowing that that choice was going to cost them, knowing that the society and their friends were going to ridicule them and mock them. They still made the decision to wrap Jesus and lay him in a tomb. As you read on a little bit farther in verse 20, early in the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciples, the, Jesus, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where we've put him. At times in history, people laughed about Jesus dying on the cross, but I want you to know what was taking place right now at this time frame in life. Take your Bible, go to Matthew chapter 27. Just want to show you what took place around the tomb so there'll be no doubt that my Savior rose again. Something's in Scripture for us. Matthew chapter 27, verse 65. Oh, wait, let me get to the right verse. Verse 65, take a guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb secure as you know. And they went and made the tomb secure, putting a seal on the stone and posting the guard. Verse 64 says this, so there's an order of the tomb to be made secure until the day, the third day, otherwise his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he's been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. And then Pilate says, take a guard. Take a group of soldiers, secure that area. Take a group of soldiers, seal it. Take a group of soldiers, post guard. It's interesting that the ones that were worried about Jesus being stolen was the Jewish people. Where were the disciples? They heard him say, they had conversations, hey, three days later I'm going to rise again. The disciples weren't there. They were not standing outside the tomb that, that Sunday morning saying, okay, he told us this, so where is he? Let's watch this thing move 
They weren't there. Who was there? Roman soldiers. They were the ones standing there posting guard. If you read in John, go back to John chapter 20, pick it up in verse 1. Early the first day of the week, while Mary, the dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the tomb had been rolled away. Verse 3, it says this. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over, looked in, and the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth, had been, and the burial cloth that had been moved of Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. You've got Mary, who's there at the tomb. She arrives. The tomb, the stone had been removed. She came running to Simon Peter and to John. They've taken the Lord. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other went running. Peter arrives first. I mean, John arrives first, sorry. He looks in. Peter comes. And if you were there this morning as Pastor Andy shared, Peter walked in and he looked intently. He wanted to see the detail. He didn't want to miss anything. So as he's standing there looking, you've got Jesus' the linen that had been wrapped by Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they were on a shelf just lying there. No struggle, no knife, not one piece of linen over here, not one piece over there. It was just there, perfectly. There was only one problem. There was nobody inside. The cloth that had been over his head had been moved to a separate place. It was set aside. It's interesting, as Peter walks out of that tomb, he still has not grasped that his Savior's alive. He hasn't got it yet. You know the one who did get it? John. John walked in. And as John looked, John believed. John said, he's not here, inside. He knew that his Savior was alive. Find it interesting, as you're sitting here this morning, you probably never heard that Jesus was actually in the tomb. Anybody ever heard that Jesus was not risen from the grave? Anybody never heard that? How many of you really believe it, though? How many of you, okay, how many of you, you've got the information over the years, but you're sitting here this morning and say, not like Peter, you just didn't walk in and say, yeah, I recognize it, it makes, yep, but I don't, I don't understand it. You've walked into the tomb saying, you know what, I believe. There it is. There's the proof. He's alive. John walked away. As we studied the book of John on Thursday mornings, 
as we went through this book, there was one person in, our, in that Bible study that we were studying through that brought something to my attention that I never thought about before. And I want you to see it this morning. As you read Mary Magdalene, I want to remind you something. It's interesting to me that Jesus revealed himself for the first time to a woman. But see, it just wasn't any woman. It was Mary Magdalene. And if you know anything about Mary's life, she loved her Savior. I believe the reason that Mary loved her Savior is because Jesus was the one that casted out seven demons out of her. You find that in Luke chapter 8 and verse 2. And so you have a person there, and, and it's, this isn't coincidence. This isn't, you know, well, well, this is just how it happened. Mary went to the tomb, could have been to fulfill some more duties to make sure that he would properly have been wrapped in linen, that all that had been taken care of. That could have been one of the reasons that she went there. But what do we know as the text says, she arrives there. The one that had the seven demons cast out of there is there. Are the disciples there? No. The one who had been forgiven much was standing outside the tomb. You know what I know is true in this room? All of us need forgiveness. And those who need more forgiveness than others this day is really, really special. And so Mary's there, and as, as, as John and Peter come out, she's still there. And I found this was very interesting. I found a quote from Walvard and Zuck this week. The gravestone was not rolled away to let Jesus out, but to let the disciples and the whole world see he's alive. gravestone was rolled away for you. The gravestone was rolled away for Mary. For her to be able to say, here it is. Now I want you to just picture this now, okay? The one that's had seven demons cast out, she's there, she's weeping. Look at verse uh, 10. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white. See to where Jesus' body had been, one on the head and one on the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away. She said, I don't know where they've put him. At this point, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, you've carried him away. Tell me where you've put him, and I'll go get him. You read words. I just imagine that didn't come out very clearly. 
I can imagine Mary there just sobbing. Where is he? If you've taken him, just let me, I just want him. I want him. I want to be with him. He was the one that set me free. See, there was something that was controlling my life, demons. There were seven of them. I couldn't, I couldn't make wise choices. I was stuck. I was trapped. I was controlled. He was the one that set me free. Where is he? Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my father and your father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I've seen the Lord. And she told them he had said these things to her. In the garden was a woman that had been set free by my Savior. It's fascinating to me. If you were here on Friday night, it's fascinating to me that he didn't go back to Matthew chapter 26 and 21 to 23 where the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law were going to make sure that Jesus died. It's amazing to me that the first person that he didn't show himself to... If it would have been me, I would have went to those chief priests and elders and said, hey, guys, I'm alive, bub. I'm here. All that stuff you said about me, you're going to pay now. It's, it blows me away that he didn't walk up to Pilate and say, here I am. It's amazing to me he didn't go to the soldier's home that mocked him and laughed at him, spit in his face and said, hey, guys, I'm alive. It's amazing to me he didn't go back to the temple and stand in the middle of the temple all those times he taught and said, hey, I'm here. I was the one that told you three days later, I'm going to be alive. You can do whatever you want. You can laugh. You can do whatever. But he was there. He's alive. He chose Mary. It's fascinating to me that he says this to Mary. I'm returning to my father, and Mary, I'm returning to your father. I'm returning, Jesus says, my God, your God. Most of you know the story. Mary runs to the disciples on the evening where she tells the disciples nothing really changes in their lives. Scriptures you read on, you read on in verse 19, it says that one evening, the first day of the week, so that night, the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with doors locked for the fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering why the disciples just didn't go down to the garden and have a party. 
saying our Savior's alive. I personally believe that Jesus blinded their eyes until right now. In this part of John, he wanted to open the disciples' eyes and they're going to see him for who he is right here, right now in the upper room. They're going to get it now. And I know as true as that there's going to be times that people are going to talk to you about Jesus, talk to you about Jesus, but until Jesus opens your heart, and I realize, um, you know, that Jesus is not knocking on your heart. Okay, I, I, I got that. But I do believe there's times inside of us that you know Jesus is talking to you. He's drawing you to himself, and you've got to make a choice. I know this is true. We're all sinners sitting in this room. You're sitting in this room and he's been knocking here. Then I, I want in. I want to be part of your life. If he's revealing himself to you, the best decision you can make is open the door. Just let him in. What's interesting, that choice is not going to be easy. I love African culture. I love the African people. God has given me the privilege to be in Kenya. Those people in the university, they made a choice. You know what they said? I choose Jesus. You know what the gunman said? Boom. Boom. They were looking for people that love Jesus. You know what's so cool? Is that there are people alive today just like Joseph of Arimathea and just like Nicodemus. They were willing to take a stand. I have no idea what Joseph of Arimathea's life was like after that. I have no idea what Nicodemus' life was like life after that. I know this. There's two guys that lived in fear. They were afraid. They were afraid of their Jewish friends. They knew if they came out and said, hey, we love this Jesus guy, they knew there was going to be consequences. But they made a choice. Say, we believe. To gather this morning, are there any Joseph of Arimathea in this building? Are there any more Nicodemuses that are willing to say, no matter what it costs, I'm following you, Jesus? Is there any more Marys that are saying, you know what? I want to be set free. And once that Savior who's alive sets you free, you'll never be the same. It's exciting for me as a pastor, as a friend, and I can say this and I don't really 
doesn't really matter what, what a whole lot of people believe, but I'm, I believe this morning that Jesus is alive, and the proof for me is you. Because I've had the privilege to watch God change your life. I've had the privilege to be involved in situations where you would say that it isn't going to work. And God has radically changed those people. And I could go around the room, and I won't because I would embarrass some of you. But I could go around this room this morning and say, you know what, I've watched Jesus do this in your life, and I've watched Jesus do this in your life. And I've watched Jesus do this and this and this and this. My Savior's alive and living proof are the people sitting in these, in these seats. Because what's true? Let's just, let's be honest. There's not one of us sitting in this room that doesn't need a Savior. There's not one of us sitting in this room that doesn't sin. And I had the privilege to share with the junior high the other night, Ephesians chapter uh, two, there's not one of us that was not caught in living for ourselves, gratifying the natures of our sinful natures. There's not one of us. You know what's interesting? He's alive so that sin would not reign in your life. He's alive so that no matter what struggle, situation, concern, burden, worry, whatever the word you want to use, he's alive so you would have hope this morning. But you know what's interesting? You got to let him in. You got to say, hey, I'm available. As I think of the book of John, passage of scripture that jumps out at me is John chapter 14 verse 6 Jesus says this he's the way he's the truth he's the life no one comes to the father except through Jesus Jesus was willing to die on a cross for your sin for mine Jesus rose again so he could look Mary in the eye Say, I'm going to go to your father. I'm going to go back to your God, my God. He rose again. And I, I don't know what this would be like, but can you imagine what it must have been like for Mary for the rest of her life to know that she hugged the risen Savior? That Jesus came out of that tomb and the first person that got a hug was Mary the one who had been filled with seven demons. The one that Jesus said, you know what, demons? You have no more power in her life. Move on. He was the only one that could ever do that. He was the only one that could set her free. And he did. And he wanted that person, from, from what John account is, we think there's probably other women there, our risen Savior wanted to reach out to Mary and say, hey, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I love you. I'm going back to my Father. And I don't know, I can't put this all in words, but for Mary to know 
that her father was God Almighty through Jesus? Can you imagine how much comfort that must have brought in her life? I can't comprehend all that. You ask me how I know he lives? He lives in my heart. He lived and died to buy my pardon. The empty grave was a proof that my pardon has been paid in full. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Will there be fears tomorrow? Sure. But I know somebody today, there's only one person that can help you with your fears. His name is Jesus. He will not force himself on you. He will reveal himself to you. He will show you things. He'll protect your life at times when you're driving down the road because he wants you to have a personal relationship with him. He'll love you enough to rock your world. Can you imagine what it must have been like for the soldiers after they watched this Jesus die and then have the ground shake and then for the Jewish people to have the temple uh, curtain just torn in two? Can you imagine what that must have been like for them? Their world was upside down. They had seen the soldiers for the first time they had ever seen somebody die that didn't deserve to die. The thief on the cross, he said, you know what, I want, to, I want what this guy has. We deserve death. I want what that guy has. The moment that thief took his last breath, you know where he was? He was with Jesus. Can you imagine the buzz around Jerusalem? Hey, this Jesus guy, he's alive. Also, just so you know, there was a large sum of money that was paid out to those soldiers to make up a lie that something happened. How many weeks Years must there have been excitement, but the Jewish believers would have went by there and said, that's where they laid him. That's where the Roman soldiers were. They were protecting. There was the guard. They were protecting. At, that's where it was, right there. That's where there's, for the first time in history, the burial clothes were still there, but there was nobody inside. First time, who was it? Our Savior. Why? Because he wanted Mary in the garden to know that he was alive. He wanted Mary in the garden to hug somebody. He wanted Jesus to be there for her. And Jesus did not recognize, reveal himself to Mary until he was ready. After the disciples walked away, just him and Mary said, I'm here and I love you. There's a choice to make today. As you leave this building, some of you will be like Joseph of Arimathea. Some of you will be like Nicodemus. You'll count the cost and say, you know what, I believe. I pray that few or none of you walk out of this building the way Judas did and say, you know what, I'm not interested. I pray that none of you walk out of this building like the chief priest said, you know what, just crucify him. I pray that every single one of you sitting in this room, and don't, don't, don't mislead yourselves. 
don't think we're too good that we wouldn't have been there shouting crucify him. We all would have been standing there. We would have all bought into the, the culture of the day saying, you know what, just crucify him, just crucify him. I'm praying that every single one sitting in this room, when you walk out of this building, you are not saying crucify him. You're saying, I believe. That you're walking out in this room saying, you know what, just the way John walked into the tomb and said, you know what, I got it. It makes sense. I see the evidence that the tomb was there. The grave clothes were there. The linens were there. The cloth that was over his head is in a different place. And you know what, John walked out of that, that tomb saying, I believe he's alive. I believe he's my Savior. I accept it by faith. I want you to pray with me today. Father, thank you for allowing us the time to gather. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us the privilege to be able to look into the tomb and know that you're alive. And if you're here this morning and there's something going on inside in your life right now that, that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you, it's really, really easy. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. You've got to say, you know what, Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner. I got it. You're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to say, you know what, I believe. Not just in my head knowledge. Not, I don't just comprehend it. It just doesn't make sense to me. I believe it with my whole heart, my whole life. I say, yeah, I believe it. I'm in wholeheartedly just the way John is. I accept it. I believe he's alive. And I pray that sometime in your life you will confess it. You'll go share it with somebody else. That you'll make a choice and say, you know what? It is true. Jesus did die on a cross for our sins. The majority of the world is going to stop and celebrate Easter some way or another. Some people might just be chocolate and fun and games, and that's great. But I'm not, I am, don't mind you know, giving Seth or Rachel chocolate. I celebrate that way too. But I'm saying in a louder voice, a bigger voice, he's alive. He's my Savior, and I believe the way John believed. And I have a Father in heaven that I can cry out to today for help for my needs. So if you're here this morning and there's never been a time in your life that you said, you know what, Pastor Todd, I, for the first time ever, I'm saying this morning, I'm willing to admit, I'm willing to believe, and I'm willing to say, you know what, Jesus, I choose you. You're here this morning and you say, you know what, Pastor Todd, that's me. For the first time ever, I want to make that commitment. Would you just slip your hand in the air? Say, that's me, Pastor Todd. Father, you know hearts that are sitting here. And I pray that you would raise up a family that would be just like Joseph of Arimathea and just like Nicodemus. We would count the cost and we would say we're wholeheartedly, we're, we're in. We're willing to follow you, Jesus, no matter what the culture says, no matter what our friends say, no matter how much it costs us. Raise the generations of Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. In your name I pray, amen. God bless and have a wonderful day.